welcome to episode 3 of Chats with Owen. Today we'll be talking to Darren O'Sullivan, who's a model and an adventurer. Darren, how are you? I'm very well, Owen. Good to be here. That's good. Tell us a little bit about yourself, Darren. Yeah, no problem. Um, at this moment in time, I'm 22 years old, um, studying mechanical engineering in UCD. Uh, I'm a model part-time and uh, uh, an adventurer also part-time, I guess. Um, that's why you asked me on here, and I'm very grateful for it. Yeah, so uh, yeah, you you were in my uh, school and uh, CBS Turles, but yeah, it's good. Yeah, CBS Turles, the best place in the world. So, Darren, yeah. tell me, what is your ideal job? My ideal job? That's a that's a tough one. Um, but I guess I'm uh, studying to be an engineer. Um, I picked engineering because I wanted to be somewhat useful in the world. So I, I want to make some sort of difference in some way, shape or form. But um, ideal job, obviously working not many hours, but uh, able to travel flexible. Like, do you know those, um, uh, what do they call the kind of internet uh, travelers, the guys who work off their laptop and can travel the world? Uh, internet nomads, I think they're called. Digital nomads, sorry. That, um, that really appeals to me. Um, there's a book called The Four Hour Work Work Week that um, I kind of model myself a little bit off. But um, yeah, that that would be my ideal job. But uh, it's a tough one. I haven't figured it out just yet. But um, I'm in the right course, I think, for discovering that. And you you uh, mentioned modeling yourself off a book. Would you not want to be a, a Gucci model or a Gucci? Ah, of course I would love to. But um, I think modeling is um. It's a funny one because it can only last so long. So obviously you get old and your looks deplete. But um, yeah, I, obviously I'm delighted that I can um, I can avail of uh, the gifts I've, I'm given and yeah. can model for a bit. Um, like 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 to be honest, when I was in the CBS in Turles, I never thought of becoming a model. Um, I never thought I would. I never gave it two notions. And um, I remember the first time someone came to me and said, "Hey." you model um was that electric picnic um i think i was pissed i was pissed drunk um just w- walking along by myself and someone came up to me and said oh you look really good take take can we take your picture and stuff um you should model and um i remember thinking in my head like ah, nah. um and i thought may- maybe yeah, it w- it's kind of dodgy at ep yeah yeah but no no i knew i knew they were for real but i even thought like i could never do this because cbs and Turles, like what what would everyone think they think oh he he thinks he's better than everyone else good looking or whatever really what's something like that went into my head yeah along the lines i also thought like like is it viable like can i actually make money out of it or what's it like uh, to be honest i didn't have a clue what it would entail so i didn't even give it much thought it is one of those industries where you, you don't know when the next paycheck is coming yeah, yeah, hundred yeah. percent. So um, it's like it's it's hard to do full time, I guess. Mm. So uh, it, but it is the perfect part time job, especially in college. So is there anybody in particular you'd like to model for? Anyone in particular I'd like to model for? Uh, I've never worn Lacoste before, but uh, I've always seen my dad wearing it up along. And for some reason, I just love the the crocodile logo. logo. It's it's classy. Yeah, it's very nice. Yeah. Um, any any shoots that are fun, I want to do like, um. I've been flown flown over to, to England and Leeds before modeling and anything like that is amazing because you get to meet other people. So 
I'm not really too pushy on who I want to model for. It's just where and who I'll meet along the way. Um, okay, cool. So I, I'm, I'm pretty easy with that. And uh, you did the GOMO ads. That looked pretty fun. That was that was uh, amazing, yeah. Uh, it's funny how I got that, actually. So one of the one of the, the scouts for the GOMO campaign contacted me on Instagram first, and they said, oh, we like your style and stuff. Uh, could you make a quick video of you dancing in your bedroom and some quirky talents and send it on? So um, and that just sounds so dodgy. <laughs> I, I know, yeah, yeah, I know. Oh, there, there's, there's quite a few dodgy things in, in the industry. Um, <laughs> I can tell, but um, but yeah, I, I made a video with you know Connor Dunn. My friend. Yes, we both made a video together that entailed uh, fire breathing and backflips and just magic tricks or whatever in your bedroom uh no dancing in my bedroom but this is all outside as well so oh, i was gonna say you, you must have lit a, the curtains on fire or something yeah, yeah, fire yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was dangerous it's, it's actually not too hard fire breathing no um i'd recommend yeah but um the gomo campaign itself um it was shot in in one day in a big studio in wicklow with uh, about 16 other like uh extroverts we'll say uh, very colourful, and um, a month later, I, all over Dublin City, uh, there was a life-size uh, version of me doing the Superman pose on the Lewis um, yeah. billboards and stuff, and, and that was that was strange to see walking down. Yeah. What's it like to be walking around and seeing yourself on the Lewis or, or anywhere like that? Like, um, yeah, to to be honest, like I I didn't really know what to make of it. Like, I'd be walking down and just see my face and think, you nearly double take because you just instantly assume that's just a random person um and there'd be times i'd be scrolling through my instagram feed or youtube and see me just in an ad a targeted ad and that's weird yeah um, <laughs> but i but i but i guess it's important not to not to get a big head about that and stuff because it's it's obviously it's you're not worldwide or anything uh but uh, it's just cool so during the summer you travel through parts of ireland with a tent and a bike could you tell me a bit about that yeah, so um, the Wild Atlantic Way, um, it's actually the, the longest routed cycle um, track in the world. Like it's, it's 2,500 kilometers altogether. Yeah, yeah, which is, which is pretty cool. But um, yeah, uh, before I started it, um, I think it was two weeks beforehand from start, from beginning to, to my departure that I pre- prepped, got all my gear and went. And uh, to be honest, it was probably like a COVID uh, lockdown spur of the moment decision. Um, I had uh, I had re- recently broken up with a girlfriend, and I was rotting away at home. So uh, I said, "Hey, let's let's do something." Yeah. Um, so I ordered all the gear on Amazon. I think it cost me about two hundred euro, maybe. Uh, I had a bike already, and um, I, I set sail uh, from Kinsale and cycled over thirty-seven days. The the coast of the west of Ireland all the way up to to Malinhead and Derry so uh yeah I was camping in a in a one-man tent they're nicknamed coffin tents so just the length of my body um not too tall um just enough space for me and some of my gear um so camping outside mostly meet friends along the way and uh, I, I gotta say it was, it was one of the best things I've done in my life sounds amazing and like um yeah. when like how, how did you manage food like how long? Sorry, how long did it take? First of all, so altogether, I think thirty-seven days. Um, I was doing about seventy kilometers a day, I, which is actually taking it handy enough. 
um, and you build stamina uh, like from from the beginning like to be honest the longest cycle I ever did before that was 50 kilometers I wasn't a big cycler um, and that was years and years ago um, so this was this was nuts but uh, it's definitely manageable um, and the bike I was doing it on wasn't uh, a top of the line bike it was maybe 400 euro so it's it's you're able to do it which it was a challenge and it was it was cool to actually go through Sounds amazing, but then uh, so food wise, how did you manage the thirty seven days? Oh, oh, sorry, food. Yes, food. Sorry, that was the question. Um, yeah, so I had pots and pans, um, and um, Aldi and Little were my my best friends. <laughs> so I think I, I think my my dinner of choice was um, usually I sometimes mix it up was tortelloni. It's like this uh, pasta with stuff in it, really easy to boil and with like pesto and maybe some vegetables, um, a lot of sandwiches, peanut butter, bananas, um, anything. I was hungry all the time, like, like all the time. So anything I, I was, I remember trying to think like, how do I get the most calories for the, the least amount of money? Um, <laughs> so I think the best was, um, a pack, a pack of peanuts for a euro alley had something like a thousand calories or something per euro. So I was eating a lot of peanuts. I think uh, I think but, uh, every college student out food. there goes, "How can I make the most calories with the most?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was very used to that actually. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. How many times did you, you obviously stopped every night on the thirty-seven uh, track? Did you? Yeah. Um, oh. Yeah, yeah. Would you have Boys. experienced all type of weather? Oh man, uh, yes. Um, I remember the first. See, the hardest part of the whole thing was getting over camping by myself because I, I had never camped by myself before. Um, and it's something that you kind of build up in your head to be a big, scary thing. Yeah. But um, after the first night, I remember it was in, in a place called Galley Cove in Cork. I, I, I slept soundly. I set up the tent and slept soundly. And after that, it was a breeze. But um, the only hard parts were the weather uh, when weather was bad so i remember two days in particular two nights one was in kilkey in clare um now this place in kilkey um kilkey is a lovely spot it's it's a holiday destination a lot of mobile homes and stuff but there's a lot of rough people around as well i remember uh, i remember cycling in and the rain pouring down and i was tired and whatever um, and I stopped for two seconds. I got back on and my tire was flat. And I remember thinking in my head, what am I going to do? I was trying to find a hostel staying because I was like, how can I set up my tent? In, like it was pelting rain. Yeah. Um, so I lifted my bike to a spit of grass that was by by the sea in the town. Um, and uh, set up there. And uh, I remember come 12 a.m., uh, I could feel like it mushy beneath my feet when I was lying down. So the spit of grass was after flooding. So I had to get out of my tent, put on all my rain gear, get out and move the tent like a meter up and then get back in and try and get some sleep. Um, And then in the morning I had to, had to patch my tire. Uh, That was, that was one of the roughest nights. Um, And then the second roughest was, um, do you remember storm Ellen? Yeah. Um, Over summer. So I was I was actually outside for that. Um, I was up in um, Sligo, near near Rasnaula Beach. But um, oh my god, and that wouldn't be the most covered place. No, yeah, yeah. So I was I was thinking, how do I find cover? 
Uh, so I thought, okay, there's some trees here, a little forest place. I'll camp underneath here, uh, set it up, uh, and come 12 o'clock, the winds hit. And I remember a banging on, on my tent. And I actually thought it was a person punching my tent. And I freaked out for a second. Um, and, I, and I thought, what, what could that be? And it, it was a branch in, in the tent. And every half an hour or so, like, bam, 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 branches were hitting my tent. And I started Googling, like, chances of trees falling down on tent and, like, <laughs> campers, like, pure stirring, stirring the pot of fear in my head. Um, like, how, how often do campers get killed by falling trees and stuff? But uh, I ended up wearing a helmet to, to sleep. Wow. Um, but uh, in the morning, it was, it was all okay. <laughs> so that was... The trees that was interesting. The trees around you were still intact. Yeah, there were sturdy trees, so <laughs> I, I was I was fine. Yeah. And did you ever like yeah. come across any other people, or or, or did you ever have any animals uh, approach you, or anything like that? Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, um, both both of which. Uh, Adam, it's funny you say the animals approaching me. Um, it's funny, like when you're outside for so long, you do get in touch with senses and stuff. I know it's, it's probably a cliche to think about, but you do feel like you're, you're one with the wild. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> I remember I was sitting down on rocks by, um, in Dingle and, uh, like I know people are going to probably find this disgusting or whatever, but, um, I looked down and there was a rat just looking up at me and he was eating some chips, um, that were, that were, had fallen down. And I don't know, me and the rat just shared moments. And it was it was lovely. And he he'd run away, get a chip and come back. And this is in the middle of the day. Yeah. Um, but there was no fear in me or whatever. Um uh but that just sprung to my head when you said animals approaching. But um uh, with uh with regards to people, um I did meet meet another bike tourer. Like before before this I didn't know bike touring was a thing, but after like it's it's probably the best way to travel around. Um, I met one other bike tour called uh, Anne Nospickel. She's a, a German lady. I met her in Mayo, and we traveled for three days across it. Um, and that was that was great to actually have a, another another person to keep company. So uh, yeah, yeah, we had a great time. Yeah. But all in all, a fantastic experience, I presume. Oh, crazy! Like you, you see some some crazy stuff. Um, yeah. Uh, I remember thinking, I remember seeing in uh, the day after that storm that I was telling you about, yeah. I was cycling to Ross Nowla beach and I see this truck um, with a trailer on it and hanging out of the trailer were two massive whales. There were, there were beach whales just hanging out of the trailer and I go down to the Ross Nowla and there was one more beach whale still there. Um, that was crazy to see. Um, I, I was it's lucky and unlucky in a way to see them because obviously it's a sad sight but yeah um cr- crazy to see like and uh, what was the most interesting place you got to see um the most interesting um so i in my head i split it up into counties um kerry and donegal both just full of culture and amazing yeah. things um but um i suppose destinations in particular um it's very hard to choose, but there, there's one in Mayo called uh, Down Patrick Head, and I actually hadn't heard of it before. But it's um, it's a sea stack that's out on a peninsula in Mayo, and uh, it's oh, it's massive. It's a lone sea stack, and you see 
you look out and you see all the strata of rock in it and in the background is just sea and it's just real magnificent yeah um and, and alone um and there's a nice little uh lore about that uh rock um apparently saint patrick came there and he spoke to the chieftain at the time um and asked him to convert to christianity okay and uh the the chieftain was like no i'm okay so saint patrick uh got his staff and struck it to the ground and the cliff broke off and left the chieftain on top of the, the sea, this new sea stack that is yeah. down Patrick head. And uh, I guess that, that's the fury of Christianity. <laughs> but I, I love those, those little stories. Definitely like, fantastic. Yeah, yeah, little... When you were traveling for the 37 days, how did you uh, charge your phone? Yeah. So um, I had two battery packs. I, I ordered good ones before I, I left and they'd last for about three or maybe four days uh, until I had to recharge. Yeah. And luckily, luckily I would find um, a friend along the way that I could recharge or um, I stayed in probably three or four hostels along the way. Okay. So there, there wasn't, there wasn't many times I was battery but there was a few times and those times were were tough enough yeah uh, because obviously i was using using maps and everything there was a time when uh, i broke down and i had no battery in my phone and i had to wait it out in the i think it was one of the hottest days a year in the connemara bog bog desert i would i would call it (laughs) um and uh I, i was just on my in my own devices for the whole day my bike was broken and i just had to entertain myself um, which which I did, and it was actually one of the best days of my trip. I think I went, yeah, I went looking for grasshoppers to go fishing with, because um, there's lakes all over Connemara. So yeah. I caught the grasshoppers and fly, fly fish with the grasshoppers. So that, that's how I entertained myself that day. But um, yeah, it's it's weird not having a phone for a while, and it's I think it's good. Um, it's too easy to to be on it all the time, and in that trip, I I most certainly wasn't. So, what was your favorite place to travel to? Um, is this on the on the trip now, or uh, just in general? Yeah, on the trip. On the trip. Um, my favorite place to travel to, um, probably probably Kerry, to be honest, because I had I had friends there. We climbed Karen Two Hill, oh, wow. and uh, and good sur- and good surfing as well. Yeah. So it, <laughs> it had everything: mountains, the sea, uh, culture, and and good times and, and fun so um probably that like I, I tried to surf as much as possible on the trip yeah um because and uh because it's probably the best one of the best things you can, can do like you, you i reckon if you haven't surfed before i recommend just starting out um and that's to everyone did you record your trip or anything like that or did you uh just live it yourself so um yeah so before i started off i had a i had an idea to record it and make a make a short film I guess out of it so I actually filmed most places I was out just with my phone Um, so I have tons of footage that I have not put together yet and pictures so I'm looking forward to editing that Um, there was one shot in particular um, where I cycled up uh, a place called the Healy's Pass yeah um, a big mountain big mountain peak between Kerry and Cork yeah and I met a guy on top there who had a drone who was able to film me going all the way down so i'm i was very grateful for that shot um, it looks amazing yeah 
Yeah. That'd be a great opening or closing for. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So you're you're thinking of making a documentary out of? Um, prob- probably just it's I will do it uh, eventually, but maybe like a, a five minute piece, just kind of flashes of all the places I've been. Just even just for myself, just to just to have more memory about it. Like I, I love talking about it here because yeah. I'm reliving it at the moment. So that will be another form of reliving it. So um, Ireland is not the only place you've been to. You've been to Jamaica and parts of Asia. So what is your favorite place that you've traveled to in general? Oh, that's, uh, that's so difficult. Um, and I'm not, I'm not one for, for favorites, but um, it's hard to choose between Asia and Jamaica or even Europe because they're all so completely different um, and different times of my life as well. Uh, so Jamaica, I, I went there when I was 16 I went with two of my friends over to a friend that uh, that lived there, that moved over there. Uh, he moved to Kingston. And that was probably my first experience of true culture shock. Yeah. So we arrived in into the airport at Kingston, um, real rundown airport. And we weren't really sure what was what to expect. We were the only three white people out of yeah. um, close, close to a few hundred, I'd say, which, which was strange because we're from Ireland. Like we're... That's that's unusual for us. Um, and uh, we got in. If you walk down the streets in Kingston, like you will be beeped at and hollered at and everything. And it's not it's not even a racist thing. It's just it's so unusual for them to see see a white person. No way. Yeah, yeah. So so that was that was very strange. Um, and Kingston in general, like just it's really funny to them. Like it's yeah, Jamaicans are are lovely people um i love the jamaican accent as well there's a twinge of like west cork accent in the jamaican accent <laughs> no seriously though um because i think uh irish are like the second largest ethnic group like origins in jamaica because of um oliver cromwell br- brought over a load of uh servants from ireland a lot, lot were from west cork so the actual jamaican act is uh, infused with like West Cork accent. It's hilarious. Like when you like listen, um, but um, I was grateful though. Like we were hanging around, like my, my friends, uh, my friend's dad had a very, got a very nice job in Kingston. So he was living in um, uh, a nice, a nice villa. And uh, he went to high school with all the, the rich kids in Kingston. So one of, one of which was Bob Marley's okay. grandson. So we were hanging around with Christian Marley and, uh, yeah, it, it was cool. Um, we got to explore Bob Marley's house, his townhouse with wow. Christian and some Rastafarians. And um, yeah, it, it's funny smoking joints outside uh, beneath the mango tree where Bob Marley wrote his songs is crazy with Rastafarians. It's, it's <laughs> that's an amazing experience. Yeah, it's, all right. it's, it's funny. Yeah, it's very nice. Yeah. <laughs> did you write any songs of your own um not not while i was in kingston no um i might write no. write, write a song about that experience sometime though i'm not putting it past me so uh where in ireland would you recommend to travel to oh like everywhere <laughs> um the west coast that that whole wild atlantic route there is so much to discover along the way so like just if you were to travel um it like by car by bike walking whatever you want to do just travel that route and you will find some crazy things like from um 
from Diamond Mallonhead in Cork to to Kerry and its beaches and the Miguel Collieries, Clare, um, like the the Burren, it's it's down Patrick Head. Whilst Sligo, oh, man, um, the surfing in Sligo uh, is <laughs> unbelievable. They got Crowy Head. Crowy Head is something that I recommend. And then any of the pinces up up top north of Donegal as well. It's unbelievable. Um, there's so much to discover. I could I couldn't give you one place like um, Don, probably Donegal was the most foreign to me. Um, so may, maybe there yeah. you'd, you'd find things that you'd never expect to find. So we were chatting there the other day, and you mentioned the cheese study. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. So tell us a bit about this cheese study. Yeah, so uh, I probably probably mentioned that to you because it's probably one of the weirdest um, things I've done in my life, and probably one of the, one of the hardest. Um, so, probably one of the most entertaining as a ah yeah probably but but to be honest I haven't told you this part it was actually it almost ended my life yes what yeah yeah I almost died from this cheese study uh, and we'll we'll get to we'll get to that but um so basically um my myself and Jack O'Sullivan um we're both doing the the same course in college so we're in first year in, in UCD and we're walking along campus and we're always looking for like I don't know something to something to benefit from, I guess, uh, or something to get more, most money worth or whatever. Like we're, we're cheap college students. Yeah. So we see this, we see this poster on the wall and it says, do you like cheese? And we're thinking, yeah, we do. <laughs> um, so like we needed participants in a study for PhD students, um, all meals for six weeks given and um, 180 or one for all vouchers given uh, me email this number or, or email this email <laughs> and um so, yeah and um yeah we, we did and we met we met up with this this woman called ashling she was a ph student phd student studying food science and she wanted to test the effects of calcium uh in cheese and if like certain molecules in the cheese combined with the calcium extra additive calcium can have good effects for the body yeah so we're like yeah cool, cool study or whatever so then she gave us like the details of what we'll have to do. So it was a very strict diet. Um, so we had to do three two-week blocks of, um, of this strict diet. So every food we ate had to have little or no calcium in it. So that means all the water we drank had to be um, special water and all the meals had to be given to us and special meals. Wow. Um, and we also had to eat half a kg of cheese a day, <laughs> every day for two weeks. So half, like that's a big block of cheese. Yeah. And it was white. It was white cheddar cheese. So every meal we had to incorporate some cheese into it, or, or, or else eat the block by itself. Cheese. So um, Jesus. But, but it, like that sounds tough. But but now then it gets kind of stranger. Um, at, in the first and last day we had to give bloods. Um. And in the first day and the last five days, we, every time we um, we went to the bathroom, whatever, we had to like give our stool to her. So we had to poo into a pot and bring it to her. And she she said, "Thank you, thank you for that. thanks for your stool." She's uh, <laughs> generally the other people that take out and just throw it at us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh. <laughs> but um, like to be honest, like some i didn't really tell my uh my housemates that um there was times there was there was poos in the freezer 
It was <laughs> because if you can't give it to her on the day, if you can't give it to her on the day, you had to freeze it. So I, I had these poo pots in my freezer in college with, with these guys that like, I didn't, I didn't know that well. Like we were living together for maybe a month at this time. And there was just my shit in the freezer. It was terrible. But uh, how would you explain that though? If they, if they went into their freezer and they, they just oh, yeah. deserved, like, Oh yeah, that's just my, uh, that's my poo. <laughs> I, I don't think, I don't think they were too happy about it to be honest. But uh it was funny, nonetheless. Did they find out? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're, we're laughing and joking about it. Um, <laughs> but, um, like, the, like, eating cheese, that much cheese is, is horrible. Like, I, I still get flashbacks um, to, to Ballymaloo relish because on the sandwiches, I just had to load it up with that to disguise all the cheese. cheese. Oh, my God. So, um, so I came down. We did the first two weeks, um, got through them. Did the second two weeks, a, couple, a month or two later. And then oh, I remember we had the last stint to do and we were kind of ignoring Ashling's texts because we did not want to do it. And she left a voice note. I was like, please, please, I really need to do it for my study. So I said, right, I'll, I'll do it. Oh, it was extra difficult because we couldn't drink during it either. And in first year of college, oh, two weeks not drinking, it is tough. <laughs> um, but uh, so in the, in, the last, in the last two weeks that I did, I remember I was coming down to the last, the last day I was in my friend's accommodation and I was eating. I had a block of cheese to eat because yeah. I left at the last minute. And uh, one of my friends said, oh, try and eat that as fast as you can. Speedy. And I was like, yeah, let's do it. Why not? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So uh, I started off well, got about halfway through and then a piece got lodged in my throat and I could not breathe. And I started, I started kind of mini freaking um, and the guys around me didn't know what to do. And, uh, you know, like I had never experienced before not being able to, to breathe when you want to breathe. Um, and it's scary. Um, and I eventually got it up anyway. And relief was was uh, was had. <laughs> I, I ate the piece of cheese. You regurgitated regurgit- a piece of cheese. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I had to finish the study. But, uh, yeah, that, that is pure dedication. That, that was that was one of the weirdest things I, I ever took apart. But uh, in the end, what, yeah. what kind of results did she get? Um, yeah, in the end, I think like the farmer's journal and stuff picked, picked up her study. And uh, it turns out that calcium and cheese is really good for the body. So will um, you be having a block of cheese every day? Cheese, I might. Yeah, I might start doing that, working <laughs> in. <laughs> Jesus, no. Um, but yeah, cheese. Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I have a couple of memories here that I want to yeah, take sure. from you. So the first one, I suppose, is any memory, good, bad, happy, or sad, from modeling? That's standard. From modeling. First one that pops into my head was when I went over to London for the first time. Um, so I signed. So when, you, when you're a model in Ireland, there's not too many jobs going in Ireland. Yeah. And there's not, there's not many models in Ireland. So it's, it is good being a model in Ireland because you you do get the jobs and whatever, but you don't get big jobs like like campaigns that would give you like, like ten grand or whatever. It doesn't really happen in Ireland. Yeah. In London, London, you can you can get those jobs. You can, you can break um, you break into them. So I got I got signed for um, an agency called called Nevs Nevs Model Agency in London, which are pretty pretty good commercial uh, model agencies. They're pretty big. Yeah. Um, they have some 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 top-notch models so i was delighted uh i went over and signed for them and i went to um 
So in, in modeling, you have to go to a lot of castings to, to get jobs. So I remember, I think it was the, the Women's Fashion Week. I went over in January and I was casting for, for walks or campaigns or whatever for a whole week. And um, like you get used to rejection when you're going to so many because you go to someone, you might get one job and you're happy or you might get nothing yeah. and you're still happy, but yeah. it's tough. Um, and I remember walking, walking somewhere in, in, in London to this massive townhouse uh, where there's big open room, where there's a line of tables, where there's um, fashion uh, stylists and fashion organizers and then hundreds of models hundreds um of, of good looking people in in one room and you're like how how can you compete or how can you do you're just one person uh, every model's nightmare by every person's dream <laughs> <laughs> yeah but um it was weird because like you nearly knew who was going to get the jobs when you're in there really because you could see the person with the most confident aura or whatever you, you knew like they'd, they'd be cracking up the like you have basically you had to go up to each table each person at the table you give them your card with your face on them and they say okay now walk for for me and you'd have to walk up and walk down it's not hard but uh it can can nerve-wracking if if you're not used to it um but like i said like those those you see some models there that they, they might not even be the best looking like um but they have a good look are a unique look yeah. and they have a, an aura about them a personality and uh, that's how you get jobs as a model it's not necessarily you being like gifted good looking wise or whatever it's obviously it's a lot to do with that but it's also how you carry yourself yeah. and confidence is absolutely everything and if you walk into a casting like you're going to get it more than more likely you'll get it but if you have any doubt in your head that that comes off there's there's little subtle details um like every every action that you do from the way you speak to, to your eye contact to the way you walk or anything gives off little cues and the, the, the casting directors they can sense that so if, if you're confident you're, you're good but it's, it's hard to be confident when there's there's 300 models in the same room as you. <laughs> yeah so um it, that, like that can that can be tough so a second memory then is a memory from your travels can be good bad happy or sad memory from my travels um bad happy or sad um i guess the scuba diving in in thailand oh wow um it's bad I, i'm thinking i'm thinking like i should mention vietnam because vietnam is is one of the best places on earth north vietnam but um but anyway, I'll, t- I'll talk about the scuba diving in, in Thailand first. Um, so I, I have always loved uh, animals and the aquatic aquatic life, especially as well. Um, I had never been scuba diving, always wanted to. So I arrived with my friend Paul to, to Koh Tao. It's an island um, in, in Thailand, and it's the cheapest place to get your paddy scuba diver license. So, um, so we're like, yeah, let's do it. And... Uh, I remember the course entailed of like one one day in the, the pool and then three, no, four dives um, by coral reefs and stuff. And the pool was cool because it was like, I'm, I'm a swimmer. I've been a swimmer almost all my life and being actually actually, actually able to breathe underwater was, was so cool to me, yeah. especially. It's supposed to be for anyone, but um, 
but then when when you actually get out to the the open ocean and you dive in and just see the, the vastness of this whole underwater world that you've never you never could explore before you realize there there is a whole other universe that to unlock yeah. essentially exactly. like you, you think like oh i'm gonna travel i'm gonna travel to australia South america whatever um and see all these like these sites on land but there's actually like so much more underwater then so like that was that was a mind blow for me because there's whole underwater landscapes to see as well so like how am i going to do this all in my life um so oh, that was nuts i remember the highlight from that was like we were told oh there's a chance that there's whale sharks around here but they're super rare um and on our last dive out of the out of the blue just a whale literally. shark comes and swims right <laughs> underneath us yeah, yeah literally <laughs> um like the, the biggest fish in in the world and we, we got to see it and swim alongside it um, and like your heart your heart is going nuts and your breathing starts to get faster and faster and you're thinking in your head like i need to slow down my heart and breathing because the, the heavier i breathe the less oxygen i have and the less time i have and time time just disappears when you're underwater because you have about 45 minutes in the tank but like that goes like that yeah um and you have to come up because it's like like i said about it's like it's the epitome of like presence um because everything is so new you're like a kid again like you're interested in everything you see because you've never seen likes it before yeah. so i'd recommend anyone to scuba dive especially in somewhere in likes of Koto. um so yeah that's that was one of the best things i've, I've done amazing uh, it sounds absolutely unreal. And then uh, I put the question poll out uh, uh, to ask my followers to ask a couple of questions. So we have a couple of uh, questions from the guys. Yeah. So the biggest or hardest thing you've overcome in your life? The biggest or hardest thing I've overcome in my life? Um, um, I guess... I guess the... Suppose the, the mental battle, um, I, I would say, I've um, I've recently got into probably since since about fifth or sixth year into kind of meditative kind of thinking and just kind of recognizing to, to not associate with how you think and your thoughts are not necessarily you. Yeah. Um, and I think actually realizing that has has made me so much happier. Um, like like the cycle itself was uh was o- overcoming in a way because i remember like this the story i'll tell now has applied to me a lot of times since i started like um called meditative yeah. thinking and meditating um um so I, I remember it was my it was my birthday during the cycle and i was alone in a by a river in deep connemara and i said i'll take a midnight walk and I was walking along pitch dark and I started thinking in my head, oh, what if, if I trip or fall here and break a leg or if I if, if someone comes out of the blue and just stabs me or, or something crazy like that, I'm, I'm fucked. Like, what, what, what am I going to do? Um, and then I just thought, like, why would I think of that when it hasn't happened yet? And frankly, I don't true. need to think of it. Like, what's actually happening to me right now is pretty cool. So I was I was able to just release that thought um which was which was amazing like um yeah, it's a definitely. superpower so uh, and it was from it's from the whole observe, observing your thoughts um and i i recommend anyone to uh to start meditating there's a 
w- waking up that that app by yeah. Sam Harris. Um, very good. It, it, there's a theory side of things that teaches teaches you like the the basis of the whole process and everything. And I don't know. I, I, to be honest, I, it's really it's really improved how I view everything. So that's that's what and meditating itself isn't just sitting down with your legs crossed on a mat. Yeah. For you, like how how do you meditate? Is it just your your whole thought process, or do you physically sit down and and think about things? Um, you see, like it's hard to hard to say what meditating is because like a lot of people meditate in other ways. Like when you're playing, like if if you ever played a sport that you're you're particularly good at, or if you're you're in a, a musical in a show and you're performing your piece, or um. I'm sure you 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 know uh, that you've gotten into yeah. a zone nearly um, where like every like time time disappears and yeah. you're just completely present. Uh, well, that's 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 termed like the flow state. And the more times that you're in that flow state, the, the happier your life will be. So, what meditation is is teaching yourself to be in that flow state in everyday life when you're not. So it's it, but it's really hard because like sitting down doing nothing is incredibly boring and you can chastise yourself because you're thinking like, Oh, I shouldn't be thinking like, Oh, I'm thinking again. I'm thinking again, but that's, that's all right. You just have to be, you, you just have to observe it, what's happening. And that is meditating. Um, like focusing on just the breath. The breath is the yeah. easiest thing to focus on because it's constant, yeah. like from the day you're born until you're dead, it's happening. So it's the easiest thing to focus on so trying to focus on the breath and every time every time you lose your trace of thought and come back to the breath that's like a mental push-up we'll say like um and that's that's what meditating is um so i i just recommend that because it teaches you to not identify with the the kind of negative talk that you could have um and it definitely helped me along my cycle along all my my college uh work and yeah, every every part of my life. Definitely, since, since yeah, definitely, uh, especially yeah. in the uh, cycling, it'd be yeah. a very important factor. Uh, so then the second oh, yeah. one is: Would you rather have a cat with a dog's personality or a dog with a cat's personality? Um, I think okay. I, I've never actually had a cat before, um. So I, I've only had had dogs, and I love dogs because it's just. It's just love yeah, uh, for no reason. <laughs> if you, like you come home, they'll just they'll just love you. Uh, so I love that that mm. bit of their personality. So I guess if I had a cat with a dog's personality, that's 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 a dream as well. But I, I love cats as well because they're so to themselves um, a lot a lot of the time, and they they nearly have they're their own person rather a dog kind of relies True. on you. So it's I don't know. I, yeah, but I'd love to see a cat that was playful like a dog and yeah. there are cats out there like that but that's a funny question so I, i'm gonna go with a, a cat with a dog's personality yeah sure <laughs> what, what about you actually oh god i, I yeah. think i did the same I've, I've owned many cats over the years um it's actually a very funny story uh the amount of cats i've had and the amount well uh, it's just i've had about eight or nine cats and, and i live beside a very busy road so i let you put two and two together oh no um, it's not funny, haha, but it's funny. I once came back from training to my, one, my cat on one side of the road and, and the rest of it on Oh, the other. no. <laughs> oh, that, that, that is horrible to hear. Jeez. 
cats themselves are, are very to themselves, as you said. So their personality yeah. isn't fantastic. So I'd have to agree with you and say a cat with a dog's personality. Ah, okay. Uh, yeah. Because dogs are just dogs, you know. They're just... Uh, yeah, yeah. Sure. Sure. You, you, you open the door, you don't see your cat running up to you. You see the dog <laughs> yeah. running up to you, know? Yeah, yeah. But anyway, delighted. Uh, Darren, thanks a million for coming on. It was a great Shine, cast. Is I really it? enjoyed it. That's it. Shane. Thanks, thanks a million, uh, Owen. That that was great. I had never been on a podcast before, and I really enjoyed it too.